Vince McMahon is going to love this. It did not go over well then. I hate it. I hate it so much. You have three points, sir. I always like to chime in. Thank you for asking. It involved pee. Vince is probably laughing his tits off. Break glass in case of pee joke. He was brought in to the WWE to be shit on. Drug-free urine. It is. <laughs> it is terrible. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the second best podcast in podcast history. Maybe the third best. I'm not sure. It's the One Fall Show. The show uh, scheduled with a 60-minute time limit for One Fall. My name is Chuck Bean. I am your host, and I am joined this week by our panelists, as usual, starting with the one half of the Dick Togo Memorial Tag Team Titles, Mr. Shawnee Constant. Hey. Everybody, I am excited to be here with my Dick Togo Memorial Tag Team title, but I have to say it makes me sick to my stomach that Nate has held on to that Muselex title. No, wait, uh, the uh, Metamucil title, the Metamucil title. It's time to get that back. All right. We're also joined by the other half, his tag team partner in our very first tag team show last week. The other half of the Metaversal Crushers, Mr. Justin Valentine. You got that right. Still sporting gold. I'm going to add to that plate today, though. And, of course, we are joined by our longstanding singles champion, Mr. Nate Bender. That's right. And, Shawnee, I will have you know, it is the One Fall Show Undisputed Intermetaversal Podcast Championship, which I will be defending my reign today and uh, excited to be here. You guys can keep your Dick Togo Memorial uh, Tag Team Championships. That's that that those types of titles are beneath me. But uh, I'm uh, I'm happy to be defending the One Fall Show Undisputed Intermetaversal Podcast Champion. Nate, the tag team titles have only existed for one week. Can you can you give it a little time before you bury them? No. <laughs> All right. Absolutely not. He's still <laughs> upset after that crushing that he experienced uh, you mean last the week. Squeaker that you guys got in last week. Okay, crushed him. Uh-huh. Crushed him. Crushed him. All right. Well, this week will be a uh, triple threat singles competition. We are a couple hours removed from uh, NWA or TNA's Impact Wrestling Slam anniversary, and only an hour or two away from WWE's horror show at extreme rules. I'm hoping in the post-production, Shawnee, that you can get some kind of like generic scream for every time we say horror show in this uh, particular episode, but I'm not, I'm not putting that on you. You don't have to. Have you guys noticed that like in the lead up to this, every time they do like a scene transition on, on the horror show, uh, you know, extreme or whatever, that there is a scream that is a part of that sound effects package. So like, I mean, I live in the city. And it's a very kind of faint scream. So I'm always looking out my windows going like, who's screaming? <laughs> it took me like four or five times to actually figure out, oh, that's raw. Thank you. So right. it did. So it did exactly what they wanted it to do to you. Fantastic. It's really dumb. It was too spooky for Nate Bender. Nate, you're our, uh, what is it, seven-time uh, or seven-win uh, champion here. That's so right. So I'm going to let you start. You've got uh, a Smacked Raw from Raw and SmackDown, the Wednesday Night War of AEW and NXT, and, of course, Around the Ring with news and notes of everything else. 
I think all of us are dreading around the ring this week because there has just been so much wrestling to contend with. Let's let's start off uh, in the Wednesday Night War. Okay, fair enough. I thought you I thought you were leading up to everyone's dreading it, so we're going to rip that Band-Aid off and get no. right to it. No, no, no. All right, uh, starting with question one. This week at AEW's Fight for the Fallen, Nyla Rose revealed her new manager. Who was it? Excuse me! Vicky Guerrero. That was fantastic. That was a really good impersonation. Thank you. I've been practicing. Um, I think, you know, every week with uh, AEW and NXT, we definitely kind of compare and contrast. Everybody does. It's just, you know, which show was better. Who do you guys think came out the, you know, the week after their two week events? Uh, who do you think came out on top this week? That's a really good question. I sort of feel like NXT had the better week, but AEW had the better main event, which was flip flop from the week before where NXT had a, a fantastic main event and the rest of the show belonged to AEW. Um, interesting that that also the ratings have kind of flip-flopped in the same way. But yeah, I, I, I thought that this was a, a pretty okay week for NXT, better than average. AEW, I, I kind of tuned out the majority of it except for the main event. Yeah, I think both shows did good in different ways. I think NXT had the upper hand when it comes to just matches. Uh, AEW had the upper hand when it came to moments or stories. Overall, I'm giving it to NXT because of that horrible ending to that main event. I don't know if we're going to get into it. I'm assuming we'll probably get into it later on, so I won't go too deep into it. Uh, for AEW, absolutely horrendous way to end that title match, so I have to give the edge to NXT. I just like AEW more right now. That's uh, I'm not sure if that's going to change, how that's going to change. You know, it's so odd to be watching wrestling still without crowds. That's the thing that keeps popping up in my head as I'm sitting here watching these shows week to week. Like that crowd dynamic for me is such a part of the en enjoyment process. Whereas now we're just getting whatever the canned rooting interest is of the writers we don't have any pushback from the audience. I don't know what that has to do with AEW versus NXT, but I just had to let it out. I think that that's a, a really interesting observation, and I've actually thought the exact same thing. Would we be at the same place in these storylines if there was a crowd that was able to react to some of the horrible booking decisions that AEW has presented? If they had had a crowd to react to the way that they ended up burying Lance Archer, I don't know that Brian Cage would have ended up being as buried as he was this week. That said, I really liked Vicky Guerrero. Uh, I thought she cut a great promo. I like her with Nyla Rose. Apparently, everyone's got to have a manager who is a legend. So, you know, that that works, I guess. See, I don't think we'd be anywhere near where we are if we still had crowds, not just because of if we had a crowd to boo all the horrible booking decisions, those booking, most of them wouldn't even be a thing in both AEW, NXT, WWE, everywhere. Uh, they're trying to get creative. Cinematic matches would not be a thing. They're trying to get extra when it comes to having no crowd. So let's do something different. Uh, and Obviously, it's been hit and miss because of it, because it's such unique times. Uh, but I'll second you, what you said about Vicky Guerrero. Great promo. 
Great call as Nyla Rose's manager. I loved it. All right. Well, we'll move on to question two. And Justin kind of alluded to this. So uh, it'll be interesting to see uh, how you guys discuss this. In the main event for AEW's Fight for the Fallen, what body part was the focus of John Moxley's strategy against Brian Cage? Uh, that would have been his uh, previously uh, surgically uh, repaired shoulder. Bicep. There you go. That's what I have here. Surgically repaired bicep. So, uh, yeah, you guys um, obviously kind of polarizing that finish to the uh, to the to the match between John Moxley and Brian Cage. Please discuss. Man, I was so looking forward to this. I am. I was really high on Brian Cage. I thought that, um, you know, he was uh, poised to be a really big monster inside the company. Uh, I am devastated with this booking. This is maybe the worst burial that AEW has done uh, for a new talent. It was horrible. And I understand that, you know, Brian Cage probably, you know, the booking wouldn't have made sense for him to go out there and win. But Taz throwing in the towel was maybe the worst heel out. And then the way that he didn't even sell it, he boop, pops back up fresh as a daisy, hits him with the FTW belt, hated it. I thought it was horrible. Uh, yeah, I know. First of all, what's horrible? I miss Erica. Happy birthday to her, by the way. Chuck, how many answers, how many guesses do the, uh, does Nate get before he gets it right? That's my first part. I'm just saying. It was close. And anyway, uh, that's just my Chuck complaint for the episode. Anyway, <laughs> uh, when it comes to Brian Cage and Taz, I said it earlier, absolutely horrible. Nate, you hit a couple points on it. My main point is the fact that you had Taz cutting amazing promos about how dominant Brian Cage is. And you have him not only just not win the title, but you have him throw in the towel, a forfeit, quitting, a weak move. How many times have we ever seen the towel get thrown in to a match in wrestling history? Every time it's been done, it's been to save a weak opponent. Uh, if you remember when Vince McMahon faced Stephanie McMahon, and that was just unfair, they threw in the towel to end it. How is that the result that you come up with this time around? Uh, and I don't understand how they regroup from this because I won't go as far as to say they buried Brian Cage just yet, but they buried this uh, partnership with Taz. It makes no sense. If they move him into a program with Darby Allen, which is what they're setting up for, then they've buried him because I, I don't, I mean, unless he absolutely destroys Darby Allen, which he probably won't. Darby Allen is a face with a lot of momentum dude this is this is not looking good for brian cage well and it's not listen like you said nate i didn't expect him to win either but there's other booking decisions to go around him winning but making him look good yeah. have it be a double disqualification double count out and have some crazy stunt to end a show where both go down like off the stage or something crazy whatever and then brian cage moves on to darby allen and they revisit him and moxley months down the road where it makes more sense for cage to become champion yeah all right let's move on to our third question in the wednesday night war nate still control of the board this 24 year old piece of gold leo rush used his social media this week to announce he's calling his final match as well as clear the air with what current nxt superstar 
Uh, that would be one Mr. Finn Balor. That is correct. Uh, how do we guys? How do we all feel about Mr. Leo Rush uh, possibly having his final match, as well as uh, you know just his his run in NXT and uh, in the WWE? I think that his problems are of his own making. He's run his mouth to you know Mark Henry. He's run his mouth to uh, any number of folks that he thought might be able to get him some notoriety. Don't think it's worked out for him very well. I've never been that impressed with his in-ring ability or presentation. The most memorable thing that I remember him from personally is uh, when he was Bobby Lashley's mouthpiece. I mean, I think it's a crazy disappointment because I disagree with Nate. I love his in-ring ability, especially because you don't necessarily expect it because of A, his size and B, the character that he is of a mouthpiece. And he does that amazingly well great personality big mouth can run it can irritate you the way exactly the way they need him to he had a bright future but nate hit the nail on the head again he ran his mouth way too much to the wrong people you do not have nearly enough credibility in the industry to be talking to guys like finn balor calling them out on social media talking to guys like mark henry and calling them out on podcasts and social media shut your mouth you are running yourself right out of the industry and he's playing it off as it's his decision it's not his decision it's a decision that's forced onto him because no one wants to work with him anymore yeah, I agree entirely. He has a, a huge ceiling. He's an incredibly talented guy. And uh, it's very disappointing that his his life and his career took this path. All right. Well, before we move on with the, uh, the next round here and uh, give you guys the point total, which is probably kind of obvious, I wanted to mention uh, this week during NXT, uh, Damian Priest and Cameron Grimes had a match. And did you guys see the finish of this match? I did, but I don't remember what it was. Well, yeah. let me share my screen for you here because I've got a uh, a GIF, as Sean likes to call them, um, that may interest you. So Damian Priest gets the pin, and while he's on top of Cameron Grimes, Cameron Grimes kind of gives him a little reach around, a little tickle under, underneath him. <laughs> well, wow. Okay. <laughs> Interesting. Not sure what that's all about. I just figured I'd bring it up because it looked really funny. That's yeah, that's that's hard camera side too. Like like did he think that no one was gonna notice? Like I, I don't know, but there you go. That's uh our favorite there, Cameron Grimes. Yeah, it, it, good match. It's just a little hey, good match. This is good. Yeah, good game, good game. A little little tap on the taint. <laughs> All right, at the end of round one, we have Nate with six points and uh both Justin and Shawnee yet to get on the board, which means the next round will go to Let's say Justin. Awesome. So I'm not going to rip the Band-Aid off just yet. Um, I'm going to go with uh, Smack the Raw. All right. So we're going to be talking about Raw and SmackDown for this second round. Uh, The Big Show and Randy Orton going to meet this Monday in a match that is what stipulation? An unsanctioned match. There you go. Yes, an unsanctioned match. The only unsanctioned match that uh, I remember very clearly would be Triple H and Shawn Michaels. But what I want to talk to you guys about is uh, Randy Orton with a promo during Monday Night Raw with that implied that he could at some point turn on Ric Flair. Do you think that's in the cards? 100%. Because in the end, every partnership group 
mentorship, whatever Randy Orton has been a part of, it always leads to Randy Orton turning on them because, and not in a bad way. I'm not complaining about it because it's just honing in on the fact that he is a loner and he wants to work alone. He does not care about anyone else except for himself. He will punt through anyone he needs to, you know, to get where he wants to be. And I love that about him. It's going to come at some point. I just hope it's not too much because we know Ric Flair can't take too much. So make it simple, make it quick, and get him out of there. Bring a new definition to the term legend killer. If he put Ric Flair through a uh, a table or something. Right. I don't know if that's the greatest idea. Oh, well, it certainly would solidify him as uh, an all-time heel, wouldn't it? Murdering Ric Flair, I mean. <laughs> On camera. Yeah, I, I I don't know. I I think it's a little bit predictable, to be honest with you. Um, I mean, it's they've sort of been teasing it since Ric Flair started coming out with Randy Orton. So I I've I've seen this coming from about three miles away, and I sort of feel like it's that slow car crash effect where it's like I know what's happening here. Uh, can we just get on with it already? Um. I, I I'm I'm interested to see where they're building uh, Orton too, because uh, the rumors that I keep hearing is that he may take the title off of Drew at some point, and then either build towards uh, Edge having one last run with a belt, um, kind of like how Goldberg did have that weird run uh, after he beat the Fiend, um, or uh, that. Um, that uh, that Drew and uh, Randy would end up working a program together, which I think would be pretty interesting. I would really like to see Drew uh, get the title into his hands in front of a live audience. I think more than any other champion in, in recent years, he would have been a people's champion. And yeah. uh, to not have that audience, I think, really is a bit of a bummer. And I think that's that's the idea for the booking is to have Randy or another heel hold the championship for the duration of, you know, however long we're doing wrestling without an audience and then to have Drew win it back in front of an audience. Yeah, I'm just one of the thinking that I'd rather see Drew. I, I have this fantasy of him and Aleister Black at SummerSlam. I don't know why. I just would like to see it. Sexy. Um, yeah, I, I just, you know, I, it's just been something I've been going on with and I'm going to stick with because I'd rather see uh, Christian come back, go at Randy Orton. They do Randy Orton and Christian at SummerSlam and push Orton-Drew rivalry to the fall. I think Orton and Drew are going to have a program at some point. I think that's what they're saving for a potential live audience. They're going to hang on to that. Hope maybe they have some type of live audience in the fall. Is that realistic? Probably not, but they're thinking that is. I just hope that we can maybe stop doing this thing where uh, somebody gets to come back for one last run and they put a belt on them. Like it's already cool to see Goldberger Edge. They don't need to be champ. Yeah, the the they're stars that really don't end up benefiting from a belt. But I'm a more okay with Edge getting it than I was with Goldberg because Edge can still go. Granted, he got hurt again, but he proved that he can still put on a legitimate match. Goldberg, we I don't think Goldberg could ever really put on a legitimate match, but he for sure can't now. Uh, so if it has to happen, I'm okay with it happening with Edge. Yeah. 
Yeah, for the record, I don't ever think it's cool to see Goldberg. <laughs> All right, let's move on to question two, also coming to us from Monday Night Raw. Justin, name the two returns breathing new life into the Raw women's division this week. Oh, my God. Um, Damn it. Why am I forgetting this? Ooh. You got five. I can't. I can't remember. I, it's going to kill me when I hear it. It's not popping in my brain right now. All right, we'll move on to Sean. Sean, which uh, two new returns breathe new life into the Raw Women's Division this week? Oh, man. So how is this uh, this question going to be scored? Because I can think of one, but I'm not giving that answer to stupid Nate if I'm not going to be able to get any <laughs> points out of it. <laughs> yeah, I'd say they're each worth a point because it's a two-point question. All right. So I know that uh, Shayna Baszler fought some ninjas. I was a big fan of that. And the other appearance was, I think, just before that. And it is eluding me right now. All right. Well, I can give you a point for Shayna Baszler, but we're going to kick it over to Nate. Nate, who is the other uh, return uh, for the Raw Women's Division this week? Bianca Belair came in and oh, tagged. Of course. Of tagged course. With and I was Ruby Riot. And let me tell you, I was so into this. I'm so into this pairing. I love Ruby Riot. I'm a genuine fan of hers. Uh, I was a big fan of the Riot Squad. Uh, I think Liv has COVID, and that's why she hasn't been on TV. Um, but I, I thought you know, uh, pairing uh, Ruby Riot with Bianca and giving him a win that was awesome. I just love seeing Bianca Belair on TV yes. again on Raw. At least they've been. She had what a couple of appearances with the Street Profits and then straight to main event. That made yeah. absolutely no sense. I was calling for her to face Asuka when Asuka first got the title. So I didn't understand why she went backwards so quickly. Please keep her on TV. I loved the the pairing with Ruby Riot. Not for a long standing booking, but you know, a couple matches here and there, a couple fun moments, couple victories. They both deserve it. They're a force to be reckoned with as a tag team. I think that they could both uh, absolutely thrive as singles competitors, but this sort of out of uh, left field team of these two, I think could really make some waves if they you know, ever decided to give tag teams or the women's division some real devotion when it came to, to writing some depth to characters and storylines. I thought it was interesting that one of Bianca's big spots in NXT was the whip crack of hitting people with her hair braid. And that mm. did not happen with the Iconics. And it makes me wonder if uh, that is not going to happen on the main roster or if possibly one of the Iconics was like, I am not taking that. Yeah, I, I think it takes a special person to take that. It's not going to go away, though. As long as she's got that long ponytail, that's going to be a, at least an option. Yeah, I think that's absolutely a fantastic heel tool. And right now, that's just not the position she's in. So I fully expect to see it in use again. It would be an absolute waste if, uh, for whatever reason, they decided to not allow that. And nice seeing Shayna Baszler as well after hearing all of these reports that Vince McMahon was overusing her, was overusing her, not overusing her, but... um that uh, she didn't really have a, a program to work. I'm interested to see where it goes. Anything with ninjas is pretty much just visual wallpaper at this point, but Shayna Baszler got my attention. Yeah, I like that out of all the girls they could have mixing it up with the guys, they've, you know, this this year specifically, they've had Shayna Baszler a couple of times choking dudes out. Yeah, I appreciate that. 
All right. Well, Nate is uh, in control of the board once again after a, a flub up from the uh, tag team champions. So you've got a three point question in front of you, Nate, and that is that after losing to Lacey Evans Friday night on SmackDown, what was the hashtag trending on Twitter this weekend for Naomi? Naomi deserves better, and she does. That was embarrassing. Not only to be involved with the karaoke segment, but then to to have a like to have to have a squash match with uh Lacey Evans the next night it, it she got in almost no offense and this woman got the biggest pop when she returned at the the Royal Rumble so um yeah I absolutely think that she deserves better I don't even think it's just the fact that it was a quick match I think it was the fact that she lost clean and of course the, the fact that she was involved in the karaoke segment but she lost clean there was no dirty tactics per se yeah she tied her her hair up in the ropes but that's not illegal you know what I'm saying? Like she didn't, you know, use the rope. She didn't use a weapon. You know, it was just honestly a smart maneuver by Lacey Evans. My favorite part of this hashtag, though, was normally hashtags like this. It's within the, uh, you know, just the fans that are tweeting. Charlotte Flair got involved in this. Other big names within the business got involved with this. And that's what I loved about this the most, because normally hashtags like this, when it, it's taking a dig at the writing and the lack thereof for a superstar that deserves it, it's usually stuck with the fans. The superstars stay out of it probably because they don't want to get in trouble. But when you have a name like Charlotte Flair putting it on her social media, I loved seeing that. Absolutely. You know, the there's so much talent in the WWE women's division. And, you know, you see people laud that quite often, but they're just not getting the room. And I don't even think it, it necessarily means the time, but they're not getting the room to really, you know, when is Naomi going to get to look into the camera and state her case? You know, unfortunately, because of the way everything is so uh, meticulously scripted, we don't see people getting that chance. And how do they get an opportunity to get over if they're not able to shoot from the emotional hip, uh, so to speak? And yeah, getting this squash match was extremely disappointing. She's been there for a very long time. We've complained about the fact that Charlotte Flair essentially was the only show in town. Now it's Bailey and Sasha as the only show in town. It's an excellent roster, top to bottom, but do we really know who any of these characters are outside of the the little comedy vignettes they sort of get or what we can read between the lines as we watch them perform in the ring. See, and my problem is, is the fact that when they brought the women's tag titles in, it was supposed to get, because they had so many different superstars in the women's division, uh, it was supposed to give others some shine. For the last year, it's been four teams in the women's tag team title hunt, Bliss and Cross, Banks and Bailey, the Iconics, Asuka and Kyrie Zane. That's it. And then all of the between those eight superstars are the Raw and SmackDown women's titles. That what it's defeating the purpose of putting more titles in the women's division if you're going to keep them within the same few women superstars. Yeah, it's weird. WWE, and I don't know if this is Vince or the writers, they tend to have tunnel vision, especially for the women's division. They get very hyper focused on one or two stars and then the rest just seem to kind of languish without any attention and unless you're put into a program with one of those two stars you don't get an ability to flesh out your character or you know your arc and i think that that's really starting to be a detriment to the women's division it's no secret 
WWE has hands down the best women's division in all of professional wrestling. Open up that division and start treating it more as a co-equal division with the guys and book it. How book it better than the guys? I, I, I mean, honestly, the booking in WWE has just been so atrocious over the last two years that it does seem to be, uh, you know, a systematic problem as opposed to, you know, maybe one or two people. But for whatever reason, whether it's Becky, whether it's Charlotte, uh, you know, whether it's uh, I, I can't even think of anyone else who's had huge runs. I guess Oscar had a pretty decent run and Bliss had a fairly decent run. But outside of those couple of names, I, I, WWE doesn't really make top female stars they make a lot of mid-card stars i think what nate is saying with this whole booking complaint is that it's time to bring back vince russo (laughs) just so we can have fire russo chance yes it's a swerve bro it's a swerve well we've got a horror show all of our own here on the one fall show this week depending on who you root for nate is leading the pack with 10 points while sean and justin both have one point each so we're going into the uh we're going into the news and notes of around the ring something that uh everybody's kind of been dreading so uh shawnee we're gonna let you start this particular round starting off with carl anderson and luke gallows they broke their silence friday night at midnight with a podcast their talking shop podcast what was the title of this episode of talking shop oh son of a bitch is uh (laughs) Uh, the the countdown to Fucktown was the. That's it. The, oh, good. Thank goodness. <laughs> Thank goodness. <laughs> yeah. Um. Not as much of a shoot interview. It's not like there was you know a dozen things in there, but it was pretty eye opening. Did uh going around to each of you? Did you listen to it? What were some of your takeaways? I did, and I I enjoyed it. You know. Uh... I think I'm still really looking forward to them returning to New Japan uh, because they're they're sort of rebranding themselves as these all-around entrepreneurs, which I guess is fun and exciting to some people. But uh, for me, the highlight of the return this week was um, watching the big LG almost slip on the ramp, which would have been a totally Shockmaster move, and I would have loved it. <laughs> I enjoyed the interview and um, I thought they did, you know, I essentially, you know, the highlight of it was burying Paul Heyman. And uh, I thought that was a, a pretty bold move. Yeah. I, at first I wasn't a big fan of them heading to impact, but this whole situation is quickly turning into a beautiful sweet spot for them. When it comes to the BS they dealt with in WWE, AJ Styles speaking up and changing shows and the drama with Paul Heyman, now they can go to New Japan and and still be an impact. And it's quickly turning them into must-see wherever they go. You know, you never it's almost like a CM Punk where you never know what they're gonna say on the mic or what they're gonna say on a podcast. It's quickly turning into a sweet spot in their careers. Paul Heyman lies in other news. Water is wet. Um, the most interesting thing that I thought uh, from this this uh, podcast was how they ended up turning down AEW around the time that Dynamite was about to uh, premiere on TNT, and I guess that would that would have coincided around the time that their contracts would have been up in WWE and they would have been renegotiating. So uh, one of, they stated one of their big regrets 
was that, you know, they were going to come out on the first episode of Dynamite and Too Sweet, um, you know, the Bucks and Kenny in the ring and then beat the fuck out of them. And that's an angle that I would have loved for uh, the very first episode of Dynamite. Like that's I, I, I'm with them on that. I think that that is a huge missed opportunity and it would have been really really good for them as opposed to what ended up happening in the wwe yeah it would have completely changed the trajectory of aew and i think that was the most interesting thing you're right because they did sort of admit that that they had pretty much told the aew crowd that they were coming and then allowed themselves to get carnied back into a wwe contract and that there may even still be some heat today um first off i would say uh to the jacksons uh, the young bucks the christian af thing to do would be to forgive the good brothers but um you know i imagine if instead of um instead of the dark order we may have a faction that was headed by anderson and gallows i think that would be a lot more interesting yeah than um as, as you've said i think in, in in one of our first uh interviews nate that this is essentially a jobber faction and if you follow them on Twitter, I actually like some of the stuff that the Dark Order's doing, but if you replace that sort of generic faction with one that has a history yeah. and knows how to uh, really move the needle on a crowd, it would be a very different animal at AEW. And uh, I think they're right to regret not having made that decision for a whole number of reasons, but especially because they would be telling great stories. Mm-hmm. All right. Well, Shawnee, uh, it was a real close one, but you got that first question. So let's see if you can move on to the next question. Conflicting reports this week of NWA's power demise. Uh, You got to say it with that many R's. Who confirmed NWA is not for sale? And for the extra point, who started the rumor that they were going to be shutting their doors? Okay. So uh, that would be Billy Corgan, who has said that, that that is not going to happen. And boy, I can't remember. It was uh, a toss up between, I think, Raven and Conan, two like random end ending names. I want to say Conan. Okay, well, you 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 had it right the first time when you said Raven. But uh, yeah, the correct answer is Billy Corgan. Um, how do we all feel about NWA Power? I mean, obviously, they haven't had a show, a, a live show, in quite a few months. And before then, it was definitely uh, third, fourth, maybe fifth tier when it came to the, the weekly shows, depending on what you like. I know Sean was a big proponent of NWA Power. What do you think about them coming back? Uh, it's going to be really difficult for them. Um, I, I think that the advantage that they are going to have is that there will be some talent from WWE that is still sort of available to be picked up off the scrap heap when all of this uh, fallout is over. You know, we keep looking at this thing as when this is done, quote unquote, when we get back to live audiences that it'll go back to where it was. But if you remember the, the ratings had been sliding for WWE for a good long time. And I have to, I have a feeling that the world is just going to be so much different. Uh, I find myself, looking at how I'm spending my time so much differently and the idea of just enjoying uh, carny folks doing carny things on my television feels a little more hollow. Now, part of that, of course, is a, it's just a depressing and isolated time. But, you know, will there be as much room is what, uh, where, what I'm getting at? Will there be as much room 
for all these promotions? You know, will the fervor return to wrestling fans or will uh, people have found different things to do? It's really, really hard to say, but losing, they'd lost the wind in their sails for sure. They really pushed the Carnyland product and that sort of turned into a, a dud and is no longer being produced. So how they come back is going to be very interesting. And I have a feeling that they're not even going to get the, you know, say 100,000 people that were watching uh, before pick up again when the rest of the world sort of finds its footing. It's said that Power, the uh, studio wrestling show, was very much Dave Lagana's vision, who is no longer with the NWA. So if they're going to continue, I think it's going to look very, very different from what was going on before. And I, 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 Shawnee, I agree with you that, you know, uh, I, I think the pandemic has gotten a lot of people to, you know, readjust or reconsider the way that they spend their free time. I hope that there will be some of that momentum to pick up on the other side of this for the wrestlers, right? Because only having two shops in town makes for a really bad employment environment. You want to have a lot of different options for where you can work because say the road ends with WWE, you know, it's a good thing that the good brothers had impact to be able to jump to, especially because there was no AEW offer when they were available. So the more that there is competition, and I think, yes, there is international competition and, you know, New Japan and, and you know, different promotions that operate overseas. I, I like to see a lot of different promotions of various different scales uh, and sizes um, so that, you know, people have some option for where they work. Yeah, I mean, for the wrestlers, you definitely hope, like you just said, Nate. I mean, I agree with that part, but the problem is not even just the pandemic, but so many different promotions have found a way to work through the pandemic. WWE hasn't gone away. AEW hasn't gone away. Even Impact hasn't gone away. And now Impact, after the no pun intended, impact they have with Slammiversary being talked about even more. It's just, you know, it's not even just about being crowded per se and having too much wrestling, but it's just the fact that the world is so weird this year, yet those three promotions have found a way to keep their product going, and, and, and New Japan came back as well. So that's what makes it the toughest out of any of the reasons, in my opinion. All right. Well, we've got one more question in the around the ring, and then we're heading into our final fall. Uh, Shawnee, you've gotten your two for two so far, so we'll uh, we'll give you this one. Seven free agents made returns at the Impact Zone at Slammiversary last night for one point each. Name them. There were seven. Seven. Well, uh, Luke Gallows and Carl Anderson. Yep. Um, well, EC3 technically appeared on screen. Um, let's keep going here. Uh, Heath Slater definitely made his return. That was fun. Motor City Machine Guns, whose uh, individual names I cannot give you, but brings me up to <laughs> six. And um, who was number seven? Oh, uh, the crazy man from... Uh, 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 Oh, I'm not going to think of his name. Um, 
I can't think of his name, but I like his Michael okay. Berryman uh, 1970s horror icon gimmick. All right. Well, I can give you uh, I can I can give you five out of that one, but I'm going to move this question over to Justin to see if he can uh, name the other. You, if you can have the individual names of the Motor City Machine Guns or the last name, then that'll score you some points. All right. I want to go Eric Young and then the Motor City Machine Guns are Alex Shelley and Chris Saban. There you go. That'll uh, that'll score you three extra points there. So um, no love for Diana Perrazzo. Oh, she's been back for like a month. Yeah, oh, she's, I been, she's been around. I didn't know that. Yep. So uh, let's talk about Slammiversary. I know, Shawnee, you got an opportunity to uh, to watch it. My, your tweet early, uh, later in the night saying you don't know how uh, Impact makes money made me laugh very hard. But uh, <laughs> what do we what do we think of this weekend Slammiversary? That wasn't so much a criticism as it was a a. a the fact that I really don't understand what their business model is, right? Like they apparently threw some decent money at the good brothers. They signed all these people and I don't know how they make money. Um, now for the criticism, I also think that it is so clearly a third rate production that I don't know that I'm going to be, uh, following up on watching them. I think I'm going to go to your whole, your whole Twitter angle. Um, you know, maybe I'll, I'll find a few of the matches that I want to see through whatever means I can, but it did not inspire me to want to sit down on Tuesday nights to watch the impact product on any level, not the wrestling, not the, uh, the promos, not even the excitement of the new faces. It's, it just feels like a really, I, I like, um, I, I miss, uh, ring of honor. Um, the, the memory of Ring of Honor shines more brightly than the Impact product. And I really was surprised by that because that's how I felt about Impact four or five years ago when I checked it out. And I, I would have assumed that it would have evolved into something a little more, but I didn't feel it did. Yeah, I think for the show, for the night, it was great. I thought it was you know a smart way to go about things. Get names that people are familiar with that can still go. That's the key because they got they impacts always been familiar names who are past their prime, but now you get guys that either a haven't been used right and haven't fully hit their prime or are still within their prime. Um, and that is what makes it watchable. Is it enough to keep it going to keep watching it's going to take a lot. It, you know, it, you, you won the wrestling world for one night. It takes a lot more when you're already so far behind WWE and AEW, you have to stay relevant on a weekly basis with these guys. The stories have to be good. Cause the problem is, in my opinion, the matches are good. I, I enjoyed, I Chuck, believe it or not, I watched the whole show. I watched Slammiversary. Wow. The matches were good. Now, the promos are uh, cringeworthy. I don't, you know, I don't know if you want to blame that on the superstars. You want to blame that on the writing or all of the above. But the promos, the backstage stuff, the you know, trying to be funny stuff. It's just cringe. It isn't funny. It isn't intense. It isn't fun. It isn't good. And that's when you can't tell a story and it just looks like a bunch of random matches out there. That's where you lose majority of the wrestling audience. I can't say I watched Slammiversary, but I do want to talk about something specific. What the hell is Ken Shamrock doing to keep himself in that good a shape? What the fuck? That guy <laughs> looks 
like he hasn't aged a day except in his face. Yeah, that's the scary part is he's in such good shape as he was in like 1998, but his face looks like he's about 70, 80 years old. And it's, <laughs> and it's scary to watch him in the ring because if you focus on the body, he's good to go. And the way he's moving, he's good. If you look at his face, it's like, God, I hope he doesn't just kill over in the ring. Yeah, I don't, I don't know what crazy monkey hormones you have to take to be able to maintain that physique at his age. But what the fuck? That's yeah, like zero percent body fat, right? I mean, he he looks like he was uh, molded yeah. out of uh, some kind of material that did, did not involve any kind of body fat. He's, I mean, he's, he's close to sixty. He's fifty six years old. I just looked it up. Fifty six. That's insane. I'm glad you you mentioned the. I, I'm glad Justin mentioned that while you're watching him, you're a little concerned he may die. It's it's like Brock Lesnar, but worse. I know that when I've watched Ken Shamrock, I'm like, he is too old to be pushing his body that hard, and I hope I don't watch him die on camera. Yeah, he's taking bumps. He took a bump over the top rope last night, and I was just like, oh my god, are you okay? Like, please get up. <laughs> the announcer said, "What are you thinking, Ken Shamrock?" And I was like, "What are you thinking, indeed? That was a terrible idea." <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, as we move into our final fall uh, this week, because you guys know that I love big, big scores. Nate coming out of the gate strong with 10. Sean matching him, thanks to that Slammiversary question, question with 10. And Justin with four. Uh, we're going to do something a little bit different with the final fall this week. And uh, it's either going to be amazing or a train wreck. And I can't wait to find out which it is. Because tonight is the horror show. At Extreme Rules, starting with Justin and then going to Nate and then Sean, I want you guys to take turns naming spooky wrestlers until you can't. Okay. You get a point for each spooky wrestler you can name, and I may challenge you on uh, whether or not a wrestler is spooky as we go forward. Uh, and you can't name the same wrestler, obviously. So, Justin, you get first crack. I'm going to go obvious with the boogeyman. Boogeyman, good, good one. All right, Nate, you are next. Uh, I'm gonna go with uh, one of the newest additions to this list, Abaddon. That's a great, uh, that's a great addition. Sean, name a spooky wrestler. Uh, is the Undertaker a spooky wrestler? Chuck, Undertaker absolutely counts as a spooky wrestler. Back to Justin. Chuck, I want an extra point for this one. Rosemary. Oh uh, well, I I would love to give you an extra point, but she does count as a spooky wrestler. Quite possibly my favorite spooky wrestler, Nate. The demon Finn Balor. All right. That is acceptable. Uh, Sean. Papa Shango. <laughs> Digging deep already. Yeah. Very good. Very good. I like it. Justin, back to you. Back to the obvious. The fiend Bray Wyatt. Very cool. Very cool. Uh, Nate, you're next. Black hole slam. Bag of ham. Abyss. <laughs> That's good. Ham. Where does bag of ham come from? That's a, that's a OSW uh, riff. Shout out to old school wrestling. Check them out on YouTube. I love it. I love it. Johnny, name me a spooky wrestler. The phrase bag of ham made me think of a late career Kane. <laughs> <laughs> I was wondering how long you guys were going to dance around Kane. All right. We're getting, we're digging deep here. Back to Justin. Uh, if you remember in the newest ECW, uh, Kevin Thorne. I do remember Kevin Thorne, the vampire. Very good. All right, Nate. The anti-taker, Mordecai. Ooh. Damn ooh. it. Damn it. I had that one next. 
<laughs> Nicely done. <laughs> Mordecai. All right, Shawnee. Who you got? Uh, I will go with uh, Alistair Black. Nice. Nice. I like it. Uh, it's, it's, I really thought that one of you guys were going to peter out way earlier than, than you have. So I'm really impressed. Justin. Uh, can I go with uh, Kevin Thorne's girl, Ariel? Ariel count. Yeah. Ariel absolutely counts. She wrestled a couple of times. Uh, Nate, you're next. Um, uh, 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 oh shit. I just blanked. Uh Oh, um, hang on, hang on. Shit. Um, you were riding out this five count. You mean 10 count, 15 count. <laughs> 20 uh, count. uh, shit uh champion favoritism right here this is past five (laughs) vampiro bullshit (laughs) i'm the the ref is gonna allow that one but he's gonna give you a warning god damn right (laughs) wow the ref was distracted by the fact that he was told that his uh car headlights were on he left the arena to shut (laughs) him off and then Slowly I just returned to the ring. I was trying to think of. All right, so bad. <laughs> this is so bad. Uh, Sean, you're up next. Uh, Sue Young, nicely done, Justin. Uh, for the entrance, carrying cross. Carrying crosses counts absolutely. We're back to you, Nate. Gangrel. All right, he's back. He's back in the game with Gangrel. Uh, up to you, Shawnee. Mm. Damien Priest. He's got the name of the Antichrist right in there. I, I, will, I will count it. Oh. The <laughs> entrance kind of gives it. Uh, I'm going to go Midian. <laughs> it makes me laugh, but it's it's right. It's true. Nate? Uh, how about uh, Kevin Sullivan when he was coming in in uh, bondage gear? All right. Yeah, no, Kevin Sullivan was kind of spooky back in the day. Uh, we're back to you, Sean. Doink the clown. <laughs> uh, Don't give that to him. That's not spooky. I mean, I mean, yeah, I, I, th- I think, I think, I think Doink is where you, where you stopped. <laughs> All right. Uh, Justin, you got anybody else? I got Viscera. Viscera is a good one. Jake, the snake Roberts. Jake Roberts was pretty spooky. Yeah. I think we're down to Justin and Nate here for this. Now I'm still going to say mankind. Damn it. I was going <laughs> to say mankind. I was going to say mankind. I'm taking mankind because you gave Nate a 25 count. I get mankind. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Justin with mankind. Nate, what do you got? Uh, would Abdullah the butcher count? Yeah, for sure. All right. He's pretty scary, man. I'm trying to remember uh, Abyss's manager. Was it, uh, you know, what? I'm going to go Paul Bearer. Paul Bear, all right. Ooh, you mean the sinister minister? Yeah, no, there you go. Mm-hmm. I always used to think that guy, I'd, I'd be like, whenever that guy would come out, I'd be like, it's Satan. Justin, you got anybody left? Oh, man. Um, um, I'm going to roll with, uh, I'm going to say Edge and Christian and the brood. The brood, all right. I don't know if that counts considering I already named uh, Gangrel. But, you didn't uh, name Edge and Christian. Nails. Nails with the, with the with the voice box. They tried to make him spooky. Oh, I got one. I got one. He, right. got, he got squashed in a new ECW. The zombie. Look it up. The zombie. 
Jesus oh, Christ. Fuck you. If you can say the zombie, then I'm I'm totally shouting out the Yeti. <laughs> I was at his debut match, his one and only match, I'll have you know. The Christmas okay. creature. <laughs> From Smoky Mountain we Wrestling already, Kane we just already as a Christmas tree. <laughs> can't name Kane twice. Okay, well, technically you can't because there was Imposter Kane. No, no, I'm not taking Imposter Kane. Why not? That's a different. That was Gallows. That was a different superstar. That was a different wrestler. <laughs> if, you, if you name something else, fine. Uh, staying with Gallows. How about Festus with Jesse and Festus? How is Festus? Festus? What? How is it not creepy when he's like completely dazed and then he the bell would ring and he would become a psycho? That is creepy. <laughs> that All is. Right, I can... Nate, it's down to you. You've got one more chance. Name me a spooky wrestler. Vader. He came. He used to come to the ring with that big, uh, the the shoulder pads thing that emitted smoke. That they were trying to make him spooky initially. All right. Well, to me, the spookiest thing about Vader is his wrestling ability. I will give you that. Yeah. So uh, the fact that he, I popped out of his head or he knocked someone's eye out of it. Yo, just just, yeah, just right. because he's wearing a mask doesn't make him creepy. Yeah. <laughs> What what about uh what about uh King Curtis Iakea uh nope. when I'm, when he I'm, was when he was part of WCW and the uh what was it the uh the Legion of Doom All right well I'm calling this final fall but I will give each of you guys uh 60 seconds while I total up points cuz it's going to take me a minute I'm going first cuz I'm calling BS on that competition by the way <laughs> draws too I'm calling draws out too for creepy Well then um, Legion of Doom would be creepy Draws was puke for a minute there. That's creepy. Mm. Anyway, okay, Mostly so gross. whatever. Anyway, so one thing I want to bring up is uh, a minor part in wrestling this week uh, from AEW, and that was their spot of the Canadian Destroyer off the shoulder of uh, Luchasaurus. Listen, AEW has had some awesome spots, and and mostly into tag matches, but in general, now you're trying way too hard. This was one of the most staged looking moves I've seen in a match in any company in a long time. It's turning into a circus show because these guys are great athletes. These guys are great wrestlers. The matches are good. And sometimes if you can't pull off a move naturally, you don't do it. But when you have everybody, all opponents and figures involved in a match waiting for this move, helping him balance you know, helping him make sure he's on doing the flip. It just looked bad. Luchasaurus is just standing there as if, you know, any opponent would just allow him to someone to do this off his shoulders. In the end, when it looks that staged as if Luchasaurus would allow someone to do that to him off his shoulders, ah, don't, it turns into a circus show. If AEW is going to start doing these types of moves, they go from a wrestling show to a circus show. And that's where you're going to lose the audience. Uh, Justin actually jogging my memory on one more kind of spooky wrestler, Kizarni. Kizarni, uh, Jesus. I know. Anyway, <laughs> uh, I, I totally agree with this. That was the most preposterous spot. That was the worst match that I watched all week. And it sucks because, you know, like I want to like Kenny Omega in AEW. The way that he's been booked has been horrible teasing a heel turn by beating up Marco stunt. Stop it. That's just horrible, horrible booking. 
I don't know what is going on with AEW's booking because it was so strong when it debuted. And now almost a, you know, a year out, it is starting to really fall to pieces. And I find myself as frustrated with AEW as I am with WWE. And that's not, that's, that's not a good thing. You don't want that. So I, I, I really hope that uh, now that a few storylines have concluded that AEW can kind of pull their head out of their booking asses and uh, actually put together an interesting television program. All right. Give me just a minute here as I make sure that I've got these points correct because it really, really matters. Nate, Sean, Justin, Nate, Sean. I think the fact that we know that regardless of what number you come up with, it won't be an accurate <laughs> that's my pick. I'm, I'm waiting for what random number he throws out there. Justin, you finished with 95, and Shawnee, you finished with 240. Justin, did you have Viscera or was that Sean? I had Viscera. By the way, how did no one name Sting? Yo, yeah. Yeah, that's true. Very true. Very true. But I, while we're waiting, I want to give a shout out to Kevin Owens. It's just so great. It was just announced that he's facing Buddy Murphy tonight on the kickoff show. And he retweeted the announcement by WWE and said, oh, I better get over there then. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we got to give a shout out to to uh, our our typically our referee and point counter to Erica celebrating her birthday today. We love you, Erica. Yes, Erica, we love you. We miss you. Happy birthday. And again, I'm going to say I miss you because it's been about it feels like as long as Nate has to answer a question as to getting these points. It's taken forever. I want to make sure I'm right. OK, I know. I know. <laughs> One, two, three, four, five, six. All right. I want to hear from any other fans out there who think that Doink the Clown is, in fact, creepy. You know, I will say now that the competition's over, a lot of people think clowns are scary. So I'll give you that. Uh, there were there were points, especially when Matt Bourne was playing him, when when you could say that he was kind of creepy. Shit, I should have went with the insane clown posse. <laughs> Fuck! That would have been, Juggalo that would have been. card revoked. <laughs> <laughs> and in all your fago, sir. <laughs> all right. Well, I've got our final points here, Justin. You had 15 points at the end of uh, our final fall here, Sean. You came in with 16 points, and Nate had 23 points at the end of the final fall. Woo! Wasn't even close, boys. Wasn't even close. His eighth win in solo uh, triple threat competition. A Erica, commanding Erica, win. Erica, please come back. <laughs> Enjoy your birthday, but hurry back. Nothing can stop this this steamroll. I'm just dejected. I'm I'm entire. I'm disheartened. I'm lost. I hope Erica listens back to that final fall and comes back and lets us know how horrible it was. I thought it was hilariously entertaining. I thought it went very well. Shawnee, where can people find you online? You know, the thing that I'm doing the most now is trying to uh, live tweet to certain things throughout the week with the One Fall Show Twitter page. So someone join me there and we can you know, banter back and forth. That would be fun. Absolutely. That is that just uh, that's just at One Fall Show, correct? I think so. <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> I'll look it up while Justin lets us know where people.
we can find him online. Yes, on social media at JV underscore sports underscore talk and JVSportsTalk.com. And Nate, where can people find you? You can find me on Twitter at Nate Benderama. Uh, I am your host, Chuck Bean. You can find me on Twitter at C-H-Z-U-C-K Chizuck Bean. And you can find us at One Fall Show on Twitter. Thank you guys, as always, for uh, giving me a little pregame for the horror show at Extreme Rules and playing along. Uh, And thank you at home for downloading and rating and reviewing this podcast. Join us next week for another One Fall Show.